0: On the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. Here it is, Adam Scott. Expect anything different? Brilliant. What an up and down that was. In your life have you seen
1: anything like that?
0: Welcome to the Clubhouse.
2: Yeah, g'day everyone and welcome to the Clubhouse. It's great to have your company right around Australia, wherever you might be tuning in. Happy having a good weekend of golf, Marco. Welcome to you. G'day, Jules. Nice to see you, buddy. Always a pleasure to be here, mate. How are those TP5s going? They're oh. You can't draw them, you can't fade them, can you? No, well, I'm finding, Marco, when I hit a draw, much easier to control them. When yeah. I'm hitting a fade, they, just, they might go a little bit further than what I liked. Yeah, so that's probably to do with my swing. Yeah, else. no.
3: Well, it's a lot of good. Hey, by the way, it's not a paid advertisement because Tyler's a great ball as well, and so is Callaway, and yep. so is everything else. I'm just yep. Callaway. I'm a Taylor Made ambassador.
2: A, you just gave me a free box of them. I gave you a free box, <laughs> we so you we could test them out yourself. Yep. Good work. Anyone else who wants to send you a free box of balls, <laughs> we'll give
3: you a nice review as well. We'll test them out also.
2: Do you know they're
3: they're actually going to be twenty bucks cheaper than a box mm. around that mark? Yeah. So cheaper and better. They should go okay in this country. They might go all right. They might go okay around yep. the world.
2: Hey, it's been a good week. My favorite golfer, Ricky Fowler, got his uh, fourth tour win.
3: He is your favorite golfer. He is my favorite golfer. Did I, you know, I love looking at the what's in the bag. After yeah. There's a website called WRX, I think that's what it is, and you get on the email list and they always send you the what's in the bag for the winner of the, the previous yep. week, which is always interesting. Mm. So, Ricky Fowler this week, using a five-wood, which he, you know, he quite often does. Sometimes he has a hybrid, but most often he has the five-wood in the bag. Um, and his driver, eight-and-a-half-degree driver yep. with a 43-and-a-half-inch shaft. That is, like I always say, 44. mean, What is going on <laughs> with... No. I'll tell you what's going on. Because you go into a shop and you test out one driver to the other, and most people will buy the driver basically off the numbers mm-hmm. when they're hitting into a net. Yeah, I know it works for TaylorMade and Callaway and Titleist. I know it does, because they go, oh, I've just picked up an extra two miles per hour ball speed, mm-hmm. but it doesn't work, folks. Don't get sucked in. Go in there and just say, I want my driver at 44 inches. I mean, I think Ricky Fowler's about five foot 10, five foot nine or 10. And his driver is 43 and a half inches long. 43 and a half. That is, folks, just so you know, most three woods that you can pick up off the shelf these days are 43 inches or 43 and a half inches long. So it's three wood length with a a driver that's three wood length. Uh, Back in the old days, and we don't like going back in the old days (laughs) because things were different back in the old days. They were very different persimmon clubs. But Jack Nicholas's driver for 100 years was 43 inches long. So shorter than Ricky's. And let me just take it one step further. When Tiger Woods was the king of the world from 99 to 2001. What did he use, Marco? A 43 and a half inch driver mm. with a steel shaft. Yeah. It's <laughs> so a little bit different. And when Aaron Batley was king of the world too, but he was 40, he, he just copied Tiger. Yeah. X100 shaft push through. So the, to make them even stiffer, they push the shaft through. They cut it off at the tip and push it through an inch. X one X one hundred X one hundred steel shaft driver pushed through one inch at forty three and a half inches long. Yep. You've got some freaks out there. <laughs> so, for instance, Dustin Johnson, who is six foot four, well, he's, he needs six a foot five bit of extra length. Yeah, forty five inches, forty five point seven five. And Jason Day's, he uses the long one as well. But for the for the majority, we are seeing more and more pros use basically a forty four or a 44.5-inch driver. That's it. Yep. So basically two inches shorter than what you can buy off the shelf. And what that does, folks, and I say it all the time, because I'm trying to help you out there, is it helps you find Listen the in. center of the club. And if you find the center of the club, more often than not, you will understand how your swing works. You'll hit the ball better, and you'll hit the ball further.
2: Yep. It's really simple. What do you think these those golfers from back in the day, Marco, I've always been fascinated, like, Mm. They sort of those legends of the game. Yep. If they had the equipment of today. Oh, because they they were still shooting great scores. Oh, uh, it, it, are we not as good now as what they they were? Or? Well,
3: here is my theory on that because yeah. it's an interesting question. Because back then they were starved of any sweet spot. The the greats of the game mm. starved of it. A lot of players just were very happy hitting the ball slightly out the heel with a little fade down the middle. The no danger shot mm-hmm. with the old Persimmon clubs. Lots of them. Yeah. But they were start for the big sweet spot. So I reckon if you all of a sudden gave them a massive sweet spot, um, I don't know, I think they'd start jumping at the ball. Yeah. <laughs> so at that stage of their career when they knew they had a big sweet spot, some of them would jump at it and probably lose their game. Others would be spoilt by yeah. it. And, you know, like someone like Ben Hogan, I can't imagine him ever jumping (laughs) at it. I can imagine Jack jumping at a few, but he was always... He he used to jump at it every once in a while anyway with the Persimmon Club. Um, Greg Norman, God. I mean, he was the greatest driver of a golf ball we've ever seen with the Persimmon Club, ever. Um, He would have... He probably would have
2: dominated the driving stats like no other human yeah. being in the history of driving stats. The reason I asked this, Mark, is I saw a photo during the week of Tiger Woods. Uh, it was on this day, however many years ago, that he made his debut as an amateur. Right, and he was swinging his driver with an old silver driver head. Yeah, that was that no, was the King Cobra. No bigger than my like half yep. of the, my palm. He started and with it, a- was t- and I th- sat there and go. That reminds me when I was a little kid. Yeah. I used to have those clubs back in the bag. How did we, how did bikes send it out well, of the that, middle?
3: I remember I remember when he came on the scene, he had the King Cobra driver and he had the titleless three-wood, they had 15 degrees and he used to bore through the shaft. Mm. So a lot of pros, you know, started boring through the shaft. The bore through means um, at the at the sole of the club, there was no hole. But sometimes you see the little shaft that protrudes and then they've got the, he used to, he used to bore through when they weren't bore throughs. Mm. Uh, so he could push the shaft through a bit. Um, Yeah, look, when he came out, and Greg Norman, yeah, Greg Norman, he was at his best used to use, because Tiger loved Greg Norman. Yeah, Tiger idolized Greg Norman. So if Greg Norman was using the King Cobra driver, which he was at the time, then Tiger was. I mean, it's just the way it it went. So when he first came out, he was at, then he went to the Titleist model, which was a very good driver, you know, the one that he was going crazy Mm. with. Yep. So look, it is—it's fascinating to go back. If you ever get a chance to go to Royal Melbourne Golf Club, yeah, um, in one of their main hallways there. So you come into the main front entrance and you turn right. They've got this m- magnificent um, museum. I guess I'm going to call it, but it's, <laughs> it's almost like just a big showcase of what golf clubs were and what yep. they what they got to. Uh, and you see the old looking like their old hockey sticks yeah. <laughs> that they were using back in the day when Royal probably first opened up. Um, and then it progresses all the way to the tailor made. Yeah, the, I, I remember, like, I, I used persimmon clubs. I turned professional in 1990. Yep. And I was still using a persimmon driver. Cleveland Classic yeah. uh, was my choice back in those days. Um, Cleveland Classic persimmon drivers because the tailor made metal wood at the time, no titanium, mm. not just metal. Yeah. Um, the head was smaller than the actual persimmon club yeah right so if you go if you now go back and have a look at the old Seven heads you know someone at a pro shop or you know grandpa will have an old wooden <laughs> head somewhere um, the first tailor-made metalwoods that came up they were hollow and the sweet spot was marginally bigger but the actual head size was tiny Yeah. like the old the first metalwood the first tailor-made metal wood that came out the driver head would have been smaller than a five wood head <laughs> of today yeah Crazy. Uh, crazy stuff, but look, players used it straight away yep. and, and away they went. But still, I don't care what happens. If the shaft is longer than 46 inches, you'd want to be Jason Day or Dustin Johnson mm-hmm. to be able to control it. Yep. If you play once a week or once a month, you are kidding yourself. I don't care how good a golfer you were as a kid. You're kidding yourself if you're going to find that sweet spot more often than not. Yep. Do what Ricky does. 43.5-inch
2: Cobra King- F7 oh, you got F seven plus driver. Yeah, go read through him, read through him because we don't want to. We want to show bias here. So he's a cobra player. He also uh, had his trusty Scotty Cameron Newport two prototype putter. That's right. Yeah, that which, was by the way fifty seven from fifty seven inside seven feet for the week.
3: Yeah, he fell. unbelievable. And his putting on the last day was unbelievable. And that's Tiger Woods' old style Scotty Cameron two, which was a low profile face um so Scotty Cameron actually got it out for him once once Tiger stayed away from Scotty Camerons for a while mm. he actually kept that specially that head size and shape especially for Tiger yep and then one day yeah, old um Ricky Fowler was just in there hanging around having a look at all the old putters and like this one he mm-hmm. goes oh that's Tiger's yep. he said well I want it <laughs> he said well why not and gave it to him. So a low profile Scotty Cameron putter face. Yep. Nice. What
2: What's the difference between what are these Scotty Cameron putters, Marco? Tell. Can you take us the the backstory of them? Because I yeah I, I'm using still the La Jossie putter that you gave yeah. me, which I love. Yeah. By the way,
1: which well, I love. I, I'll tell you exactly what happened. Yeah. Ping came out and they came out with some uh, putter styles that had a bigger sweet spot. Mm-hmm. They had an angular toe hang. Because once upon a time, you know, when I go back, when you go back, let's say you go back 40 years, there was an accoutrement and then there was a blade putter, you know, the ones that Ben Crenshaw used Mm -hmm. and then some really weird looking things, mallets and (laughs) some real weird action that was happening back in the day. Um, And the issue with these putters, they were fine if you were using a wristy stroke absolutely Mm. fine because your body didn't move too much and you could use a wristy stroke um, and you gave it a good tonk on the greens that used to run at seven and eight nine whatever you you could give it a good tonk but as the mowers got better Mm -hmm. and green conditions got better and greens got faster the wristy uh, action doesn't work in fact it is garbage Mm. it does not work one bit so over time the professional golfers have used a different technique and that's more with shoulders and arms and basically no hands whatsoever except for a forward press. Mm -hmm. So, uh, because of this, because you're not using your hands, what they found was if the toe hangs straight down, when you're taking it away, then the toe would lag back and it was horrible, absolutely dreadful. So, after a while, Ping, genius, Mm. absolute genius, he started making putter putter heads with uh, an angular. So, when I say toe hang, when you... Basically, just hold the shaft of a putter and balance it on your hand when you look at the face it's more or less on a forty five degree angle, and this was much easier to take back in a stroke with soft hands mm-hmm. and not have the toe fall in on itself on the way back so one with ping you got a better um uh, you got face balanced right. more face balanced putter and two you got the bigger sweet spot so that was really good well done, but then over time too, we've worked out that the really light putter on the greens, on the fast greens, doesn't work as well with this new stroke. So some genius, let's call him Scotty Cameron, he just started copying ping, a bit like Japan just copies things in cars from around the world and just, not only did, did Japan copy cars, but they made cars better. Yep. Scotty Cameron is a Japan car company <laughs> working on putters. So he yep. just looked at all these, you know, the putter styles around the world, made them with softer metal, mm-hmm. with heavier metal, gave them a better shape and would just you know when he would just turn up at tournaments and just have you know a golf bag there with 50 scotty cameron putters there and every pro that went past just picked up and had a look and you know you go what's this stuff and you put it down you go hang on a second, this feels magnificent and he hit a few putts with the soft the middle yeah this feels magnificent um and then you started throwing them in the bag I, i remember in 1994, I was playing on the secondary tour, which was, I think it was the Hogan tour back then. Yep. Uh, and Scotty Cameron was there one day, and I, took, I ripped one out, had a look, and it was it was a copy of a My Day, Uh ping My Day putter, because you know, there was A-blades and O-blades and yeah. the ping answer, mm-hmm. and they are basically just rip-offs of, of it. So <laughs> Everyone's copying everyone. I, everybody's copying everybody. So I, I, I had this putter, uh, I just ripped it out, and it was a My Day, copy of a My Day, and I hit a few putts with it, and you know, you can't miss, and... I said, "Can I take it?" He goes, "Yeah, absolutely." So I was just, you know, yeah. so I took one, no titleist on it, just the Scotty Cameron name. That putter, if I still had it, I don't know where it is. Mm. Um, be worth a bit. Be worth ten thousand bucks. Yeah. If you can find a Scotty Cameron putter without titleist on it these yeah. days, they're worth a they're worth a squillion. Pull it out somewhere, Marco. I don't know where it is. I don't have it anymore. <laughs> Someone's ripped it. Someone's ripped it off me. Yeah. Um, but that's the basic story of what's why Scotty Cameron, and now Scotty Cameron's gone past ripping off um you know, ping style putters. And he's making his own. And some of these new putters, you know, it's now with the technology and understanding where the weight is and um you know, the real principle now is in my physics teacher taught me this a long time ago, you wouldn't believe I used to do physics. Did you? Once upon a time. A heavy (laughs) a heavier object in motion is harder to push offline. Yes. Than a light one. That's right. Correct. Yes. So uh, that's the basic theory. Mm -hmm. So if these big heavy putters with the heavy handle, the heavy shaft, and the heavy head, even though they weigh twice as much, once you get it in motion, it's hard to fiddle with the club, one, with where it wants to go. You want to let the club just basically go where it wants to go. Uh, But two, the face angle too. Once Once that face angle is determined on the way through, if you're not trying to maneuver it, then it should go through perfectly. Yep
2: so makes sense makes sense hey um, just quickly because I know we've got to get to a break Um, the Cleveland Smart Square Stubby did you see it the Cleveland Smart Square Stubby no speaking of putters Marco I've got a photo here I want to show you of a putter that was used in South Africa this week I want you to take a look at it it's a shaft into a matchbox it's a square putter it's literally square so, what's the story? Old mate, uh, is, is it Jaco Van Ziel, Is that right? Yeah, um, yeah it's him. Was using it. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's been designed as a training aid for the,
0: the practice yeah, yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah. It's
2: and so now it's been deemed legal by the uh, the USGA and the European Tour as well.
1: Okay. So, you know what the story is there? Uh, the face has to be longer than the width. So, the face mm-hmm. has to be, or the face has to be wider than the length of the putter. Right. So that's not quite a square, is it? That's more it's, of a rectangle. Mm, a tiny little rectangle. But
2: it's very close to a square. <laughs> very close to a
1: square. And they've gone oh, Bob's your uncle away you go.
2: So what would what would that help?
1: Well, you use it on the on to find the sweet spot. Yeah. And to develop confidence in the sweet spot. Most people are, you know the little left putt? Everyone misses the little left one that goes everyone misses a three footer left. Yeah. It's because the putter actually goes out to the right. And you end up hitting the ball on the heel. That's right. And then it goes left. Quite often I do that. <laughs> Everyone does it. And then that, you know what you do on the next one because that yeah, one's gone it. left. <laughs> because your putt's gone left from three foot, you even try and push the next one out yeah. even further to the right. Yep. And you end up just hitting the ball out of the heel all the time, which yep. is a disaster. Now, that tiny little putter head, uh, you get rid of that. Yeah. You can you can't do that anymore. Mm. So that helps you find the sweet spot, which is very very important in putting. And that's why, you know, we always talk about arcs in putting. You don't want the putter head to go from the inside to the outside. You want the putter head, when you're looking down, to go back on the inside, back to the center of the ball, and then it actually toes in and goes back to the inside again on the follow-through. So people who miss putts to the left, it's because they follow through too much out to the right. Golf, at best, is an upside-down game. That's right. (laughs) You can almost... It's called the gear effect, Uh, And I can't explain it very well on radio. It's tough on radio. It's tough on radio to explain the gear effect. Uh, But it's why the ball, when you hit the ball out of the heel with your driver, it's why it cuts and it's why when you hit the ball out of the toe with your driver that it naturally hooks. Mm -hmm. So many other things as far as technique. It's like the gear effect there as well. You're missing putts left, you start following through more out to the right and you keep on missing putts left. It's a disaster. So if you're missing shots left, instead of trying to fix it by thinking what's right, do what's wrong. Do what George Costanza. <laughs> do the opposite do the to what opposite. you think and you'll probably do better in golf.
2: It helps for me because whatever I'm thinking isn't yeah. working. If you're
1: missing I- shots out to the right, you know, do something different.
2: Congratulations though to Ricky Fowler-Marco who picked up his fourth tour win. He's our Honda Power Player of the Week. Don't forget Honda's four-stroke lawn and garden range on sale from $329. Beautiful. Only at your specialist Honda dealer. Four-stroke lawn and garden range, 329 $329. Reason he won, as I said, 57 from 57 inside seven feet. Amazing. No three putts for the week. Well done. And strokes gained on the putting surface, 1.848 For the week? Per round Did
1: eight. you see what he was in the last day? Close to three in the positive in the last day. So he tightened up. He'd never won a tournament leading no. going into the last day. Yep. Never, ever. And you look at the hitting stats and you actually watch him play. He only hit 50% of the fairways. Well, I was a bit worried about...
2: Well, and hardly threw about hit a green. Ten to twelve holes, Marco. I yeah, think yeah. he was two over. I reckon. Yeah, yeah it was I a bom- it was a bomb fest in the end. He yeah. was just he was snaking putts everywhere. Yeah, well done to him. Good, good job. Good stuff. Ricky Fowler, Honda's four stroke lawn garden range from sale from three hundred twenty nine dollars. This is the Clubhouse right around Australia. My name's Julian Baird. Mark Allen is here as well. We'll be back with plenty more golf right after this.
1: In your life, have you seen anything like that?
2: You're listening to the
1: Clubhouse.
2: Welcome back. It is the Clubhouse right around Australia. Great to have your company wherever you might be listening as we talk all things golf. Marco, a few things I want to talk with you about. Righto. The broadcasting of golf has been a hot topic on this show oh, over the last month.
1: Got slammed last week, particularly in this country. They're trying. They're sort go. of. Sort of.
2: Oh, you backtracked on that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, nah, they're hopeless. But what we saw this week yes. was a whole new form of shot tracker. I was How stunned. good was it? I was stunned. For those that didn't see it, what we saw was a split screen. Yep. So we had the real vision on the left Yep. and we had a cartoon on the right. Correct. But the shot tracker, it wasn't just following the ball. It was a cartoon, almost like a Hawkeye you see in tennis. Exactly almost like a Hawkeye. In fact, it's a Hawkeye. So the ball would, you'd follow it off the tee and it would have the design of the golf course perfectly drawn out in a cartoon. Yes. On the right-hand side, the ball would follow that exactly down. And on the left-hand side, you would see the real vision from a different angle yep. and you'd be able to see and there was a slight lag on the right yeah. and you'd be able to see exactly where the ball went. It was so
1: good. It mate. was amazing how it worked and sh- the normal shot tracker where you just see um, the line start from where the ball was yep. um, and you saw some numbers on the left and ball speed and all that kind of stuff. That was brilliant and that works and that that's good enough but you could never really see where the ball was headed mm. like it, you could with the cartoon on the left. So there was a few times Ricky Fowler um, you know, there was a bunker down the left or there was water down the left and with the cartoon, the ball started left and then cut away Yeah. and just missed. There was another time where um, they f- you, they actually cut away from his follow-through and there must have been one of the holes where they had a camera following the ball off the tee because you don't need to do that anymore no. with this with this right, mechanism.
2: It's the worst shot in golf, that.
1: Yeah. The worst
2: camera angle in golf watching a ball in the blue sky. A,
1: watching a ball in <laughs> the air. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't do much. Uh, and, the ball came down just to the left of the cart path, and there's a tiny little lag yeah. between that and the shot tracker, and I whizzed across. And they've got the cart path in the cartoon, and on cue, perfectly, the ball just to the left of the cart path. So, good. so accurate, yeah. so unbelievably good, and gives you a different, a real different feel. Like sometimes, you know, the old shot tracker would say you would have 10 feet of left or right, or 10 foot of right to the left, or whatever. But you could actually see it in this 3D looking thing, the cartoon thing on the right. Totally different. So good. Another dimension to viewing golf and understanding how a professional hits the golf ball. I mean, I, it's 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 gone to a whole new level. And unfortunately, you know, I was watching uh, some of the girls, um, which is a brilliant telecast, the USLPGA, mm-hmm. the, the tournament that was in Thailand. Um, one, won. Uh, Unfortunately, we're just watching balls in the sky now Yeah. with some of the other telecasts. It's going to bring down broadcasting golf for everybody who doesn't, doesn't have, have the capability. Have well, yeah. It's going to make it
2: really boring. It's like with tennis, Marco. If you've got a tournament where or an outside court where they don't have Hawkeye, you go, it's what's rubbish. going on here? Yeah. I want to see whether that was in or <laughs> That's out. That's right. So...
1: Look, it, it just brilliant what they're doing. Hopefully, it's not expensive technology because you don't need the camera. I mean, you might be able to save money. You know, I In think other I, sp- areas, I yeah. spoke to you about it last week. Once upon a time, there was you know a, a big crane. What yep. do they call those cranes? They call them a uh, yeah. Yeah, cherry picker. Big cherry picker. Thank you. Uh, there might have been two or three of them, yep. and moving around golf courses while the you know the lead groups were getting around, just so you could follow the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't need that expense anymore if if you can have the ability to have the cartoon. Which I can't imagine it being a big deal. No. Once you've got it
2: installed on the whole,
1: it should just be there. It should just be there, that's yeah. right. All they the majors the should
2: up. have them from now on. Well, without any doubt.
1: Without without a doubt. any yeah. ma- Well, I th- I think now, if they're just doing it for the Honda Classic somewhere in Florida, yeah. <laughs> uh, then that, it's right there. Who did it last week? Was it ABC or was yeah, NBC? NBC or I, reckon. E, ESPN? I reckon it was NBC. It was one of them. Yeah. Whoever it was, uh, they've that's got heck. a... I'll share that technology. That'll get around. Yeah. But it was absolutely brilliant. Um, where can they go next? Well, we talk about it all the time, oh, and that one is thing they have to do. Mike. Just caddy up, the, uh, mic up the caddies. Yeah. Uh, do not worry. And I hear it a bit. Don't worry about interviewing the golfer in between shots. No. It's not real. You don't know really how they're feeling, and no. a lot of the pros don't want to do it in the first place. But if you mic up the caddy, it is real. Mm. And you hear the anxiety in their voice. You understand how they you don't have to ask them how you're feeling. Mm. You'll hear the anxiety in their voice. You'll understand what they're trying to do. You know, there'll be a back left pin, and the caddy will be going, okay, it's a six eye, just draw it in. And the player will say, you know, one or two, one or three things yes, perfect. Yep. Two, I can't hear the draw to that back left pin mm-hmm. out of that lie, which will teach you something. Or the player will say, no way, I'm just going out to the right. Yep. I'm playing safe, and you will get a really uh, uh, you'll
2: you'll get an understanding of what players think. Yep. Nothing better. Well, Adam Scott, perfect example this week, Marco. Mm. There were some shots of him that went viral among around the internet of him bombing sandwiches, bombing seven further than what you could possibly imagine he yep. would be able to hit a shot. Yep. I would love to have been able to watch his conversation with his caddy beforehand, yeah. where he's got. Hundred and whatever yards, hundred eighty yards, hundred eighty yards, and Eight Knocking out a sandwich <laughs> over a tree, and these conversation with his caddy going, "No, I reckon I can make this." Yeah, and they're going, "No, nah, you can't." And caddy be going, "No, that'd be stupid. Just yeah. chip
1: it out to the left." No, 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 I've got this. Yeah, all that sort of stuff would be fascinating to hear, but unfortunately, uh, we don't. It's amazing because yeah, my kids—they've got this listening device thing, it's like a megaphone and they could just point it at yeah. mum and dad. They can hear everything we're saying from miles away. You'd reckon they'd be able to get that technology. Well, you'd think you so. see it from time to time, but yeah. I don't know, I maybe... Like spy movies used to have it, line of sight. Well, yeah. If my kids, well, I think they got it from Dick Smith when Dick Smith was up and going. Um, if they've got that sort of stuff, surely we can get it. But look, nothing, there's nothing better than someone being mic'd up. You can have the yep. thing pointing at them, but, and, and by the way, a player that, you don't you don't loud talk mm. that conversation unless you Phil Mickelson and Bones they love loud talking because they put on the show, yep. but most of the pros they hate loud talking, they just do it quietly, yep. and because they're talking quietly, the caddy and the pro are always close together, mm. so that's where if the caddy was mic'd up, you'd still get it, and yep. the player would know the caddy's mic'd up. That's right. So you know you're not going to hear one hundred percent what it really they want to say because they'll pull up a little bit yep. and they'll understand. But I think after a while, particularly in a pres- pressure situation, I reckon the player would actually forget. Yeah. He would forget that the caddy is mic'd up and he would be kind, let's win this tournament. Yeah. And he might drop a bomb from time to time. Well, that's okay. That's okay. It's yeah, bad luck. I mean you want us mic'd up, this is how I am. That's and it. and the people doing the mic ups will go, Well we know we can't mic up Mike Clayton's no. <laughs> caddy because Mike swears <laughs> a lot. You know, they'll, they'll know that sort of stuff. But there'll be other players. I'll go, oh, yeah. Five-second delay
2: just with the finger on the button.
1: Yep, let's do it. Yep. And, you know, the caddies before it, you know, they, you get, you, they get a sling. They're on TV a bit. Everyone's happy. But that's the next yep. plateau mm-hmm. that we need to get to to really understand more about golf. We now yep. see what the ball does. Mm-hmm. But to really understand how pros think, and what they're trying to do to win a tournament, yeah. you know, they might have a player who's two back and he's saying, no, no, I'm not going to hook a draw. I'm not yeah. going to hit hit my eight iron back to that back left. I'm just going out to the right. And you go, oh, what are you doing, mate? Yeah. Have Try go, and win mate. the
2: tournament. Come on, mate. You know, you add that dimension into people's <laughs> living right. rooms. Yeah. I hope it, uh, hope it happens, Marco. You've been calling for it for a while. So uh, 25 hopefully years. Hopefully they listen. 25 years. Hopefully they listen. Three <laughs> things that I saw this week, Marco, I want to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. The first one, lucky instances on the golf course. Oh, I saw a couple this week. There are a couple. Yeah. One, nice shot into a par four, yeah. bounces off the sprinkler head into the water. <laughs> into the w- into the water. Is that the one that bounced over a marquee? That's correct. Yeah. Flushed it into the sprinkler head. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be a serviceable yeah. shot. It was. It probably would have gone in the bunker, maybe. Yeah. Back of the green. Straight off the sprinkler head. Yeah. Center of the lake. Yeah. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you play
1: enough, you, you'll you'll get a sprinkler head at some stage. Yeah. The, the most famous bad luck story was Byron Nelson in a Masters in 1950, whatever or mm-hmm. 40 or whatever, and he was playing into the 16th hole, the famous 16th par three Augusta. Uh, he was chasing down a lead. He hit the flag. And it bounced into the trap back in the day when they had the old wooden poles <laughs> as as flags. Not you know these days it's got the fiberglass and it doesn't yep. bounce as well. But back then, Byron Nelson just you know hunted a flag, yep. hit the perfect shot, hits the flag, hit the hits the big broomstick flag, and goes straight in the water. Yeah, stiff. Unlucky. Very stiff. Well, that was
2: the second instance this week. We saw another one hit the flag and straight into the water. Whose was that? Uh, I can't remember what, who his name was. Yeah, right I'll, I'll get it up. I'll get it up in the ad. I rate. saw one and at Tory
1: Pines where they did the same thing where yeah. he hit the flag and spun back into the water on 18.
2: Yeah. But for every one of those shots, Marco, you get one where you smack it into the trees and you get a kick out back right. into the fairway. So you can't complain too nah, much.
1: No, tournament golf, don't you? You've got yep. the grandstand behind every second green. You just smash it
2: in the grandstand if you've got any troubles. Now, the other bit of vision which went around the internet this week, mm. which I loved, uh, was ball in the water when you just can get a shot away. Yeah. Instead of rolling up the pants... Fully stripped down to the jocks, Yeah. <laughs> hit the shot, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Get out, get the towel, wipe down. Yeah. Who Full was kit it? Back on. Who was it? Full kit back on. Uh, name escapes me right it was now. Was a German guy. It was uh, yeah,
1: little German guy. Yeah,
2: pretty happy with his rig too. He was he wasn't afraid to get it off. No, 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 no. no. What well, think- are you? If you're playing a midweek at Marco, yeah, and you can play a little shot from the water like that, just off the side, yeah, and it no. means you've got to take your shoes, your socks, no. roll your pants up. I'll take the one shot. You're not doing it? Well, it's the difference between one ball and two balls in the
1: comp, probably. Okay. I mean, who cares? But Have you ever done the it? Dif- yeah, oh, I've definitely done it in a tournament. Yeah. I, I used to get the pants off because, you know. <laughs> you,
2: kit down? Well, you're, you're
1: playing in an Australian summer and, mm. you know, you try and keep the pants nice and light yeah. and white. And if it's early in the round yeah. and you're going to be walking and carrying mud around for the rest of the day feeling bad because you're looking like a <laughs> goose. Um, they're nice to say no just kid off yeah. so pants straight off I remember Ian Baker Finch really famously one day he took the pants off yeah. and that vision even though there was no internet back then, they went around the world he was a <laughs> legend there for a little while in his little Y front, hit the shot out
2: can we do a master class of hitting out of the water later on
1: yeah no problems
2: yeah, yeah I'll, that's done All lock right. it in stay tuned for that right. <laughs> we gotta get to an ad break this is the clubhouse Julian Baird, Mark Allen with you a masterclass soon from out of the water. What are you going to do, Mark? <laughs> <We'll> <laughs> Stay be right. tuned
1: for that. We'll be right. In
2: your life, have you seen anything like
1: that? You're listening to The Clubhouse.
2: Welcome back. It is The Clubhouse right around Australia, Marco, Sean Stephanie was the man's name, 35-year-old. He played the shot out of the water. We'll put that video up on our Facebook yeah, page. Do uh, just search for The Clubhouse Golf Show on Facebook. And I thought it was uh, like Alex like Checker, page. the way he was walking out of there. <laughs> What's his name? Sean Stefani. Stephanie. Sean Stephanie. Yeah. I know. Not a bad rig for a golfer. Well, hey. Commentators, I'd get my clothes off if I looked like that too. Yeah. Well, if you've seen those commentators, (laughs) you'd know why. They'd be wrapped. Hey, Marco, time to go inside the clubhouse. And we do it each and every week for Mm -hmm. Club Mandalay Golf Course. Uh, Hit the golf course, play golf at Club Mandalay. Visit clubmandalay.com.au. And you can also book online at clubmandalay.com.au and save 10% when you use the Beautiful. code Golf. Now, during the week, mm-hmm. you had a fascinating chat on uh, chasing birdies. Yeah, that's right. Elsa
1: Presnell, uh, who once upon a time led a US Open uh, at the Olympic Club a long time ago. Not that long ago. It was the one where the Birdman interrupted... Uh, remember the Birdman came in and interrupted mm-hmm. the presentation? Mm-hmm. Webb Simpson won the tournament. Well, he was leading midway through uh, the second round, so he'll pop in every once in a while um, to chasing birdies. But Adam Bland, uh, we saw him at the... A uh, World Super Six Perth beat Louis Oosthuizen. Uh, not many people know about this guy, and I wanted to get him on. And he's always been good friends with Alistair Presnell. Um, plays in Japan, uh, you know, plays is an incredibly good, and talented player. Uh, and we had a great little chat with him during the week. So let's have a listen. And Adam Bland joins us on Chasing Birdies. Good Adam. Hey guys, how are you, mate? We're very well. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Hey, uh, just talking about that Super Six. What did you make of it? Actually playing.
0: Uh, It was an awesome event. It was uh, something different and obviously added a lot to the tournament on the Saturday with the cut line and everyone making the match play. And then Sunday was a a good day for me, I guess, apart from one match or so. But uh, other than that, I think it's a good concept. It probably obviously won't be played too often because it's a long day on the Sunday. But... uh, no, it was a success, I think.
1: What about it uh taking out the the scalp of Louis Ousthausen? I mean he he basically he should have won that masters. He won an open at St Andrews. It's a big name in the world of golf and you took him down. How how, how were you during that match?
0: Uh yeah, I was a little bit nervous at the start and I uh <laughs> made a rifle mess of the first hole, but um after that it was good, so he was just always good to play against someone of his calibre and see how they go about it. And obviously the uh, probably six holes suited me because I guess Sometimes a longer format, the better player is probably going to shine. Now, Adam, uh, now I've played a lot of golf with you uh, both in Australia on the Web.com over in America, but now you're uh, over there competing in Japan the last three years, and uh, and a very cons- consistent performance. Uh, See so that you've um, uh, is is that your the, would you say that that's your claim to on the golf course? Is that uh, the consistency is what wins you the uh, win- each week? Yeah, definitely. I think for me, I'd rather the consistency being, I don't uh, really enjoy the whole missing cuts, kind of giving a chance to win. I'd rather be a player that just week in, week out performs and then builds my confidence and mm-hmm. hopefully I can run into some form after a few good or solid events. But uh, yeah, Japan's a perfect place. Me to play. It just suits my game a lot more than America. There it is,
2: Marco. Great little snippet there. Congratulations on that one. Uh, good little get. No, well he's, Andy little
1: golfer. He sneaks around. Yep. You know, he's a sneaker. And There's so many sneakers in the world of golf. Mm. I would say, I would estimate <laughs> that there would be 300 real sneakers who just make a million bucks a year. Yep. And he's one of them. <laughs> he makes a million a year, I Love reckon. It. When you total everything up, yeah. a million
2: a year. Just sneaking around, you wouldn't even know it. Beautiful. I love that. Yeah, it's good. Good good, sneaking. How good. Uh, Book your next round of golf at Club Mandalay. Book online at clubmandalay.com.au. Save 10% when using the code CMGOLF. You've been waiting for it. Marco's Masterclass. How to hit shots out of the lake. Correct. That's next.
0: Marco's Masterclass. It's time to get a
2: free golf lesson from Mark Allen. It happens each and every week in the last segment of the Clubhouse. Mm. We saw the video of Sean Stephanie, which is on our Facebook page, by the yep. way. Head to the Clubhouse on Facebook, uh, hitting the ball out of the water this week.
1: Radio. Now, always the rule of thumb is if, if half the ball is sitting out of the water, right. it's doable.
0: <laughs>
1: but I'm a believer if there is any kind of ball sitting up out of the water, so even just the top of the dome, then it is doable. It is very doable. But if you want to be safe, then half the ball has to be out. But the real trick to this shot is, now, like bunker shots, because you're hitting the ball fat out of a bunker shot, Mm -hmm. you're not hitting the ball. The rule of thumb is you need to swing twice as hard, basically, to get the ball to go that little distance. By the way, that's why people aren't very bad bunker players, because... Little shots, I think, require a little backswing. Mm. And a little backswing doesn't make the club head speed that that's you right. need to get the ball out. So that's another story. Um, so bunker shots, rule of thumb, you have to hit twice as hard as normal. Yep. Out of the water, let's just jack that up to three times as hard. <laughs> so out of the water, if you're trying to get the ball with half the ball out, three times as hard as you would ordinarily think to get the ball to where you want it to go. But then... If the ball is completely underwater, mm. or just the top of it is just showing, <laughs> then pretty much doesn't matter what shot it is, you have to hit it as hard as you possibly can. Yeah. The real trick to this, and this is where it gets kind of yuck, uh. is that you've got to take the shoes off. Yep. And the key is you've got to squidgy your feet down into uh. the mud so that you do not slip. Because if you slip... Then you don't hit the ball as hard as you want to, and hard as you need to to get the ball out. Okay. So the worst bit about doing this properly is that you're gonna have mud between your toes for the rest of the round. Yeah. So if you're just playing <laughs> for club balls, don't even think don't about it. About just about just it. take <laughs> that <laughs> drop. But if you're anywhere near the lead yeah. of a tournament, oh. it's gonna to cost you a hundred thousand to oh, stuff a little bit of mud between your That's toes, fine. it's a hundred thousand. Yeah. So it's a different story. It's a club championship you really want to win. Yeah. Get in there. And make sure those feet, this is the most important thing. What club are you using, Michael? Well, not the lob wedge. I'm glad you brought that up. Not the lob wedge. You need something with, because you can go under the ball really, yeah. really quickly uh, with the water there. So uh, I would do it with a pitching wedge. Yeah. Open the club face up on the pitching wedge just slightly mm-hmm. uh, and just chomp away. you got to chomp away. Big swings uh, and make sure those feet are anchored into the mud. Yep. Uh, and if you get in there and you can't anchor it in, if you get in there, you've ta- you've taken your shoes off, you've done everything, and it's a slippery surface and you can't get in there, mm-hmm. abort. Yep. <laughs> abort, the yeah, abort the shot. Yeah, abort the shot.
2: So basically, if you're a club golfer, don't do it. Yep. It's just stupid. If you're a tournament player, mm, size it up. I'm not one to normally criticize the Masterclass, Marco, but you've missed one keel. What's that? Make sure your mate is filming it. Yes, So they can put it online yes. when you fall over yes. and make it complete full of yourself. Yes, yes, yes. Very good point. Yep. You live in an age that I didn't grow up in. Well done. Make sure you give the phone to your mate, tell him to hit record yeah. and go,
1: watch this. Hope for the best. Beautiful. I love it, Jules. Hey,
0: Marco, we'll see you next week. Good on you, buddy. Thanks for that.